there's a couple of questions I think we have to, to you know, deal with here relative to the baptism of Christ. Of course, the first question is always, why did Jesus need to be baptized at all? Why did he submit to baptism? John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He was calling, you know, remember, G John the Baptist is preparing everyone for the Messiah. And to be able to receive the Messiah, a person has to repent of their sinfulness to clear the way to receive that salvation. And so he's calling people down to, to the river to be baptized so that they might repent of their sins. And uh, in fact, in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, we have another account of, of the baptism, which is largely the same, but, but there's, there's a little bit more to it. And Jesus comes to John to be baptized, and, and John says, what are you doing, basically? Why are you here? Now remember that John is his cousin. They're cousins. They knew each other from, from being very, very young. So John is not saying you shouldn't be here because you're the Messiah. He doesn't know he's the Messiah yet. He's saying you shouldn't be here because I know you personally. You have nothing to repent of. He knew Jesus was, was righteous and presumably sinless. First-hand account. What I'm doing here, Jesus, isn't really meant for you. And Jesus says, just look, cousin, just do it. Let it happen for the sake of righteousness. Just let it happen. One of the things to think about as to the whole understanding of the incarnation, the enfleshment of the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God becoming man, Jesus Christ, why did God do it that way? Why did he bring about salvation by becoming part of his own creation, by becoming man? Think of it this way. Um, some parents might, uh, you know, when the, the kids are really young and they're learning how to, how to make their letters, you know, you might put your hand over their hand and, and help them you know, shape the letters and stay in line, the big G and the little G, and, you know, you help them form the letter because they can't quite do it for themselves yet. You, you can do it, presumably, um, if you went to Catholic school. If you're public school, who knows? Uh, no, but, you know, as an adult, you can, <laughs> you know, you can do it. It's not like you can't do it, but you helping them to do it and showing them how to do it, you know, it models them it models for them how to do it. It helps them to do what they need to do for themselves. Well, after Adam and Eve sin, right, sin enters the world. We are responsible for sinfulness. We are responsible for our own sins, and how do we make up our sins to God? How is that possible? Well, it's not really possible for us to do on our own. It would take a perfect man and a perfect sacrifice. And so God becomes man in Jesus Christ to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves by substitution, as it were. Which is why we call him the new Adam. And so he enters into baptism, not because he needs to repent, but to show us how to repent. To show us that that God is going to take sort of responsibility 
for what has happened to the world. Right? Not that he's, he's the, uh, the cause of our sinfulness immediately, but he is the one who <clears throat> caused all of this to come into being. He's the one who gave us the free will to commit sin. And so God becoming man, in a way, is him saying, I'm taking some responsibility. And since you cannot do it for yourselves, redeem yourself, I'm going to become one of you and as a man, redeem all of mankind. <clears throat> and so the, 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 for, for Jesus, obviously being baptized, a baptism of repentance is largely symbolic. It's not, it's not an actual repentance of sin having not committed any. But in a way, it's him taking also responsibility for all of humanity and showing us how to repent and how to do it most perfectly. That even one who need, need not repent, repents on our behalf. Now, what we, the second thing we see, and this is with all of the Christmas uh, feasts, solemnities, is they're all really epiphanies. They're all manifestations of who Jesus is. Right, And so he's, we hear in today's gospel, he's baptized, and then he's praying, and then the Holy Spirit descends upon the waters and him like a dove, recalling from Genesis the creation of the waters and how the Spirit moved over the waters and brought about creation. So now the Spirit comes down upon the waters of a new creation, that is, we, we are all baptized into Christ. We are made a new creation. But here the, the third person of the Trinity comes down. And then the first person of the Trinity's voice, Behold my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And so the manifestation, the epiphany today, is that of the entire Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Three persons, one God. Three persons, one divine nature. And of course, in Jesus, because of his, remember this, hypostatic union, his human and divine nature, that God has seen fit to unite his divine nature with our human nature. So the entire Trinity is revealed, and Jesus is revealed as the Son of God. Okay. So who cares? I mean, it's kind of interesting, but... <clears throat> How does that matter to us right now? Well, this idea of, the, of God taking responsibility, right? Not just standing afar off, you know, just kind of waving his hand and saying you're all forgiven, but actually entering in, entering into fallen nature. Not that his nature is fallen, but all of nature is fallen. And so as he enters into his own creation, which has fallen, he experiences many of the same things, just about all of the same things that we experience. He knows what it's like to be a little boy. God knows what that feels like. God knows what that is like. God knows what it feels like to be a teenager. God knows what it feels like to grow up with parents. God knows what it feels like as he enters into adulthood. He knows what it feels like to be rejected to be ridiculed, to be mocked, to be persecuted. He knows what it's like to be tortured. He knows what it's like to be a victim. 
and he knows what it's like to suffer an unjust death. He knows all of this and more. And we think, when we think about the Lord Jesus, we can now think about one who has experienced life as we have. We don't have a God who is far away. We have Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus who is with us, right beside us, understanding us, understanding our trials, our difficulties, understanding suffering and sacrifice. A God who is close, not far away. This matters because I I think sometimes this is hard to access, a God who is close. But the more that we really grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus, that closeness with him, and invite him in, the more that we share those human experiences, when we're suffering and we say, Lord, I know what it's like to suffer, you do too. I invite you into this. The joys, I invite you into this. The peace, I invite you into us. The chaos, I invite you into us. The more that we invite the Lord Jesus into our experience, the more grace and peace and comfort and redemption that we will have. Please stand.